you're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Bread of Life, part one of four. Enjoy. God is so good. I'm crazy excited today because we're going to talk about something that's so close to the heart of God. That's such an important part of God's heart. And we're going to talk about something that's a major part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's something that has been greatly misunderstood and greatly debated about. Nevertheless, it's still a very important part of who God is. It's still a major part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about healing today. Receiving healing for your physical body through faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Lord, our time on this earth has no meaning apart from you. So we put our faith in you this morning. And Lord, we ask you by your Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our heart that we would see you as you are, as Jehovah Rapha, God, our personal physician. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so we're talking about healing. So we're going we're gonna to spend this Sunday and the next three Sundays focusing on this. And I get excited about it because it's been a major part of my life, uh, we're really for 25 years, but even more specifically, I guess about, uh, 90, about 18 years, where I really, about 18 years ago when I started to walk in divine health. So I'm excited about it because God has health for you. He has strength for your physical body. And it's a health that is supernatural and that's provided by him through Jesus Christ. So as we look at Jesus this Sunday and for the next three Sundays, and as we look at the scriptures, we're going to see that God has provided health for us. And we're going to see that the health that God has provided for our physical bodies is experienced through faith. It's received and it's appropriated by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure you're aware of it, and I know I'm certainly aware of it, that there's been a great deal of controversy over this issue, the issue of divine healing in the body of Christ. And I think there are two primary reasons for this controversy. But the controversy really doesn't center around God's ability to heal. It centers around God's will to heal. I would say most Christians would say that God has the ability to heal anyone. I think we could, for the most part, agree on that. But where the, where the conflict and the controversy comes is, is, is it God's will to heal everyone? And that's where the controversy comes in. So I think there are two major reasons for this controversy. And the first is life experience. There are some who have concluded based on their life experience, on what they've been through, either personally or someone they care about, they've come to the conclusion that it is not God's will to heal everyone. And I understand that, and I can relate to that. And the second reason for this controversy, I think, is that we are in a spiritual warfare, that we're in hostile territory. And it's important to recognize that. We walk outside and the sun is shining and it's a beautiful spring day and we think, well, what could be wrong with this? But in the spirit realm, man, there is a raging warfare going on that we can't see or detect, that the weathermen don't know about, right? And this warfare is for your well-being. 
And with the, if we believe in Jesus as our Lord and, and we look to him and we, we, we live this life as his disciples, then we've got to know we have an enemy because Jesus taught us there's an adversary. Jesus called him the prince of the earth. Paul called him the God of this world, the ruler of this world. And he is against you. It's a happy thought, right? Yeah, Satan's against you. He, he, not only does he want to keep you from coming into relationship with Jesus, but he wants to keep you from experiencing everything that God has provided for you through Jesus. And, and you can see that it's, it's really around this name of Jesus where there's so much uh, adverse reaction in the world, right? But we don't want to let that stop us from experiencing what God has for us. Faith begins where the will of God is known. How can I have faith for God to forgive me if I don't know he wants to forgive me? Right? And how can I have faith for God to forgive me if he's not willing to forgive me? If God's not willing to forgive me, forget it. I'm not going to be forgiven. Right? If I stood up here today and told you God is not willing to forgive you, would you accept that? Well, it depends on what you know. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm ordained. Maybe it's true. Maybe God's not willing to forgive you. Unless you've read the Word, right? Unless you've read this Word for yourself and you're willing to accept what the Word says above what someone else says. So I could stand here today and tell you that God's not willing to forgive you and it, it wouldn't be true no matter how long or how passionate I said it. Because Jesus demonstrated that God has, has sent him to be for, so that we could be forgiven. In fact, let's look at one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. It's a powerful scripture. And we see in this scripture the sovereignty of God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Verse 16 of John chapter 3 it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love this verse because we see in it the sovereignty of God. Let's just start with the first part of that. For God so loved who? Who did he love? The world. Now, who does the world include? Everybody. Now, that, that's, a, that's a topic of debate right there. The world includes everybody. When it says God so loved the world, he's not talking about a sunset in Hawaii. He's not talking about nature. He's talking about people, human beings. It means God loves Irishmen, right? And he loves Koreans, and he loves Filipinos, and he loves Africans, right? And, and he loves Hispanic, and he loves Italians and Portuguese, that he loves every single human being so much that he gave. That he gave his only son. So this is an amazing love. Now look at this next part, that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes, here's the sovereignty of God. God loves everybody. It's an absolute given. Anyone who tells you differently is wrong. Even though he loves everybody, who he is, his salvation, is not automatic in everybody's life. It is conditional upon what? Who, what we believe, sure. 
whosoever believes. God's love is absolutely unconditional. And it has been given unconditionally. And it's been given with a price. But in terms of whether or not we experience, it's, it's based on what we believe. And this is where things can get confusing if you don't understand this. That God in his sovereignty made us free people. He made us in his image, which we, means we can say or do whatever we want to say and do. I can believe whatever I want to believe, even if it's wrong. I can, I can say or do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, whether it's right or wrong. So it's important to understand that we're free. We're not ro robots. Why did God make us free? Because you can't have real love without real freedom. There's no love without freedom. I wouldn't want my wife to love me because I forced her to love me. Where, where's the love in that? See, God made us free because we're made in his image and you can't have real love without real freedom. So whoever believes, regardless of where they're from or what they've done, can receive this amazing salvation. So if you know that scripture, you know, regardless of what I tell you, that God's salvation is available to you simply by believing. There are some, do you think... Even though God wants everyone to be saved, we see that in John 3.16, do you think there's been anyone in the course of history that was not saved, that did not go to heaven? Sure. Was it God's will for that person to go to hell? Of course not. Hell wasn't even made for people. It was made for Satan and his, and his angels. So even though it's not God's will, it's happened. And we're, ta we're talking about a very important issue that could be the difference between your health or, the, or, or struggling with something your entire life. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 7. So we see that God in his sovereignty has given us freedom. He's given us a choice. Even though he has provided complete salvation, we have to choose to believe it. And that can be challenging because we're in hostile territory. And there are conflicting circumstances that confront us, that seem contrary to what God's provided for us. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Now this is Jesus talking. This is our Lord. This is our King. This is the one we worship. He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, verse 9, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now look at verse 10, speaking of the sovereignty of God. This is God in the flesh teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, talk to your Father, exalt his name, right? Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is teaching us there's a major contrast between what goes on in earth and what goes on in heaven. And what's the contrast? God's will, right? 
He's saying, this is how you pray. Come to your Father. Hallowed be His name. Exalt Him. Make His name holy and lift it up in your life. And ask Him for His will to be done in the earth just as it is in heaven. This is significant. Jesus is letting us know that what happens in the earth is different than what happens in heaven. And it's important to spend some time on this because there are major schools of thought in the body of Christ that will tell you everything that happens is, is God's will for your life. And Jesus, if that's true, Jesus was in direct opposition to the will of God because Jesus didn't accept whatever happened. He rebuked storms. He rebuked sickness. He rebuked disease. When he laid his hands on Peter's mother-in-law, it says he rebuked the fever. If that was God's will for her to have that fever, he was rebuking his father. So it's important to understand that the will of God is not an automatic thing. And that's how God in his sovereignty has set this thing up. Because we have to choose. Love is a choice, right? Love is not something that's automatic. It's something we have to consciously employ our will to go in that direction. Let's look at one more scripture before we move on. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. So faith begins where the will of God is known. And Jesus clearly teaches that the will of God must be enforced in the earth because it doesn't happen like it does in heaven. In heaven, there's no opposition. In heaven, there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no poverty. There's no lack. There's no opposition to the will of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 24 now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. They're talking about Jesus. They're mad at him because he's healing people. He's setting people free from demonic spirits. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? See, controversy is a major tool of the enemy. And he knows if he can create a controversy around a provision of God for your life, there are many people who won't even talk about divine healing in church because they're afraid of the adverse reaction that they will get. And that's what Satan wants. He wants to create a, um, an adverse reaction around what God's provided for you so you'll be afraid to even go near it. But that's not us at Highway Church, right? We're fearless folks. If Satan casts out Satan, verse 26, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Amen. Wow. Jesus is teaching us. This is just three examples where Jesus teaches us that the will of God is not automatic. He teaches us that the, um, the kingdom of God is synonymous in this scripture with deliverance. He's saying, if I do this by Satan, then... 
you know, his kingdom's going to fall apart. But if I'm setting this person free by God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Kingdom of God, healing, deliverance are synonymous. They always have been. They always will be. So we want to be on the side of God's kingdom. We don't want to be on the side of the enemy. We're living in a fallen world that's falling apart. And if we study the scriptures, we see that the earth and its condition today is not even close to what it was like before the curse of sin. We're living on a planet that's cursed. Wow. Which is why you don't have to do anything for weeds to grow. In the first house that we bought in 1999, the owner who took care of that house, he, he, it was, it was a, a small lot. It was only, the lot was 5,000 square feet, 50 by 100, I think. And he took, but he took amazing care of this lot. He manicured the lawn. He had an in-ground sprinkler system. He did treatments four to five times a year. And I didn't know anything about that. And when I grew up in Pennsylvania, we just let things grow. We cut the grass, but we didn't put any treatments down. And so I learned about it. And man, I was so glad. God would teach me as I'm applying my treatments to this lawn. And I noticed something that I would get, you know, there's a tr- there were five different treatments for the, for the whole year. And about every, th- every two, three months in there, you'll, you'll apply a treatment. And I would read what the treatments were for and when you're supposed to apply them. And they were always, uh, they were for two things, to strengthen the grass that was there and to come against things that, were try- that would kill the grass. And I noticed I didn't have to put any treatments down for crabgrass to, for it to grow. I had to put treatments down to kill it because the crabgrass would choke, the weeds would choke the grass. And if you'll notice, weeds just grow. Why? Because the earth is under the curse of sin. And, and, and negative things will happen unless they're countered with the word of God. So it's important to know that because if you expect God's will to automatically happen in your body, you're going to be severely discouraged and disappointed. It won't. You have to enforce it because we're in hostile territory. And we've got to apply the word of God regularly to our bodies, just like we apply that that treatment to our lawn. And his word is medicine. It's strength to our flesh, and it will strengthen our bodies and keep us well if we apply it and if we believe it. So it's important to understand that faith begins where the will of God is known. And if we look to Jesus to determine the will of God, we see that his will is not done in earth as it is in heaven, that we have to enforce that. That's so important. We have to enforce the will of God. The will of God is known. We go strong in God's will when we look to Jesus. When we look to Jesus to determine what his will is for our lives instead of what we've been through. So important. Jesus is the center. We sang that at the opening. Jesus is the center of all truth. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, do you know who the him is in that? It was Thomas, the famous Thomas who earned the nickname Doubting Thomas. I think it was Thomas he said that to. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So at Highway Church, we exalt Jesus. Everything he said and everything he did. We don't exalt our own circumstances. We don't exalt our own feelings. We don't exalt what we've been through. We exalt him. And I've been through some, some 
very difficult situations, life and death situations in my life that I didn't think I would survive and I would not have survived had it not been for Jesus. So when we're looking to Jesus, we're looking at the will of God. And we're disciples of the will of God, right? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So we're taking this verse first Sunday really just to establish the will of God is healing. The will of God is health for your body. You've got to know that. You won't be able to experience that consistently. You might experience uh, every now and then, but to consistently walk in that, you've got to be as sure of God's healing as you are of his forgiveness. Okay? Got to be that sure because that's what faith is, being sure. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many uh, portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Now, I love this verse 3. This just sets the record straight here. And he is, talking about Jesus, the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. No one else did God ever say that about. He says that his son is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what does Jesus being the exact representation of his nature have to do with us being healthy? Everything. Because we're living in this hostile environment, you will be confronted with contrary circumstances. But if you know that Jesus is the will of God, you can grab a hold of who he is. And you can experience his will for your life. His will for your life is greater. Who he is is greater than any sickness, than any disease, than any circumstance you face. But you've got to know that. And, and if there's any hesitation about God's will for you, it will affect your faith. Yeah. Faith is not saying, yeah, I know that. That's not faith. And we're kind of like that sometimes. We say, yeah, yeah, I know God love, loves me. And then we snap at somebody. Or then we're, co we're complaining or we're whiny or we go through our day frustrated. That's because we don't know God's amazing love. When God, when you realize how amazing God's love is for you, it brings joy in dealing with people. It gives us a whole new outlook on life. So we've got to grab a hold of Jesus. He's the exact representation of God's nature. And let's, so we're going, to, we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures right now, relatively quickly. And our point in going through that is we're looking at the will of God. All right, we're looking at the will of God. And we want to make sure that we, what we believe is in line with the will of God. All right? When I first met Jennifer, um, this was back in 1989 or 90, I, I began reading the Bible, and I came out of a, a mainline um, denomination, and that's all I knew. So when I started reading the Bible, I didn't know there were any denominations. I, just, I became a Christian. I was born again. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I believed everything I read. I experienced healing. I experienced the gifts of the Spirit. All these things were going on in my life. And I thought that's what every Christian believed. And then I met Jennifer. 
and we, and we were friends at that point. And, and, and I forget how it came up, but the, there were, we were at a university, about 18,000 students, and there were nine different Christian groups on campus that met. And so I, I met her, and I came to her group, and, and they believed that the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, healing, and all of those things uh, were only for the first generation of believers. I, I don't remember exactly how they believed that, but basically that those things passed away after the book of Acts. And I thought, who told them that? Why do they believe that? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why do they believe that? And, and I heard, I remember one night it was in the music building, I heard their teaching why they believed that, and there was one scripture they pulled out. And I thought, you're kidding they're basing what they believe on that one scripture which is out of context and they're misinterpreting it. So we don't want to take one scripture out of the word of God and build a doctrine off of it. That's a sure, sure way to, to get off. In this, so there's a safeguard in what we believe. You don't have to be afraid or are we a cult? Are we going astray? There's two safeguards. Number one is the person of Jesus Christ. We look to the person of Jesus Christ as he's revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He is our standard for what we believe, no one else. We look to him as the exact representation of God's nature and God's will. And the second safeguard is make sure for everything you believe about God, not only does it line up with the ministry of Christ, but that you have at least three scriptures that support what you believe. So those two things, it's got to line up with who Jesus revealed himself to be during his ministry. And we've got to have at least three scriptures. Well, we looked at John 3.16, Matthew 6, 7 through 10, and Matthew 12, 24 through 28 as just three examples to explain God's sovereignty, to see that God's will is not automatically done in the earth. Now let's look at some uh, about as far as healing, so that we understand healing is a major part of Jesus' ministry today. Just like it was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. It says, And Jesus went about. That's a continuous phrase. Jesus went about all Galilee, three things, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Wow. His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, which were lunatic. What's lunatic? Mental illness, right? Doesn't matter. God heals it all. And those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, and from uh, Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond. So this is, this is a, a, a scripture that, that shows us that there were, go back even to verse 23, that there were three major parts of Jesus' ministry. One more, e, one more back. Teaching, preaching, and healing. And it's the same thing. There are three major parts of Jesus' ministry, teaching, preaching, and healing. And so often a minister has got to spend a significant amount of time teaching and preaching so that faith can arise for people to be healed. I feel opposition spiritually daily 
as a pastor. I feel opposition spiritually that some may not feel when I come in here in the morning to set up. I feel it coming into the mall. I feel it in New England. They're not going to stop us, but I, I'm aware of it. I feel it. I feel it as this type of message goes forward. See? But we're not going to let it stop us because Jesus is the healer. Matthew chapter 8. Another scripture, verses 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And what did he do? He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we see in this scripture that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, that healing is part of the, uh, is part of the Messiah's Makeup is part of who he is. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about, here it is again, all the cities and villages. What's he doing? Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were... Now look what he does here. He sees the multitudes. They're weary. They're scattered. They're like sheep having no shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, those are the ones who are following him, he says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then the very next verse of the first cha of chapter 10. So he, he says to his disciples, he sees these people in need, and he says, pray that God will send out laborers. And in verse 1, understanding that, the, the, that this was just written as one continuous account, there were no chapters and verses, verse 1, and then he calls his 12 disciples to him, and he gives them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. That's the same power you and I have. Amen. Do you know that? We're his disciples. Verse 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Here it is again. Jesus is equating the kingdom of God with healing. And as you learn these things out of the Word, it's kind of shocking because you see there are so many believers who argue over this. You think, wow, this is such a clear part of God's character. And there are so many believers who will, who will resist this and fight over this thing. I just accept it because it's so good <laughs> and because that's who He is. So Matthew chapter 10, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 3. Now, now John the Baptist's disciples, they come to Jesus, and look what they say. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And Jesus answers and said to them, here he goes again. Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news preached to them. So, so, so we see that poverty is included here. What's good news to someone who's poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. God has made provision for you. Jesus became poor that you might be rich. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. 
So here it is again. Jesus is saying, they're, they're, John sent his disciples to ask him, is he the one? Is he the Messiah? What's he say? Well, tell John what you see. Healing, deliverance, right? He equates healing and deliverance with the kingdom of God, with who he is as the Messiah. You can't separate these two. If you do, you're going to miss out on what he has for you. Matthew chapter 15, verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Here he was talking to the Syrophoenician woman. So here Jesus calls the healing that God has provided, he refers to it as the children's bread. The children's bread. All right? Matthew 15. We're going to fly through these because we want to get through the Matthew chapter 3. Excuse me, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Verse 14, Jesus appoints his 12 disciples that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. You see how important this is to the heart of God? I mean, we've gone through one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven passages here. And we're going to keep going. Luke 4, verse 39. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the son, see, there's Jesus rebuking the fever. If he believed that was God's will for her life, he should have just let that alone. See, even the people that will argue over this, they're trying to get well. Really, if it's God's will for us to be sick, let's be sick. Why go to a doctor? Why try and be well? If it's God's will... See, they don't even believe what they're, they're, they're arguing about. If it's God's will for us to be sick, let's forget it and let's just be sick. But if it's God's will for us to be well, then let's be well. See, that's, that's how goofy these kind of thoughts. They don't make sense when you look at them in the light of truth. They don't hold up under, under scrutiny. All right. What was I looking at? The 12. Luke 9, 1, 2. So, nope. Luke 4. So he stood over and rebuked the fever in verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases, didn't matter what they had, brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Didn't matter. Lunatic, lamed, blind, maimed. They brought them to him. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I mean, the very, Jesus, what's he doing? He's raising up an army, isn't he? Why? Because he's in hostile territory. He's, he's got the 12, he's got the 70, right? Then Acts, it multiplied into thousands. We've got a job to do. We've got a mission. We don't have time for doubt and fear. We've got to grab a hold of the revealed will of Jesus because there are people who need to be made well. God is so good. John chapter 6. I'm sorry. Did I do John 21? No, John 21, verse 24. This is the disciple whom testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written... One, one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. So this is a lot of stuff. I wanted to purposely give you a number of scriptures. We could go on all day 
all week with examples from the Word of God. And the whole point of today is I want you to know as the pastor of Highway Church that it is God's will for your body to be healthy. Unquestionably. It always has been and always will be, but your body's not going to automatically be healthy. Just like your lawn's not going to automatically be weed-free. You have to know that it's His will. You have to be sure and certain that it's His will. And you have to take the treatment that He's provided, His promises. And you have to enforce them in your body. You have to speak to your body. And when symptoms come into your body, and we're going to learn this more next week, and the following three, I'm going to show you how to do it. Because I've been walking in divine health for about 18 years. And it's amazing how good it is. But to speak to your body, to rebuke symptoms, to rebuke situations and circumstances, and enforce the will of God. Say, God, your will be done in my body as it is in heaven. Right? Because my body's on earth. My body's not in heaven. Right? So this series is called The Bread bread of Life. All right? That's the name of this series. Bread of Life. Jesus equated healing with the children's bread. The children's bread is a given. It's on the table. They have full access to it. It, It's a fundamental part of their childhood, of their growing up. Healing is, is provided for you. It's on the table. God has provided it. It's a fundamental part of being his child. And all you've got to do is come to the table and begin to eat this bread. So we're going to be eating the bread of life during the next uh, three weeks. And, and next uh, Sunday, we're going to look specifically at two types of life that the New Testament talks about. It speaks of, of life, the general life that plants and animals and all of us have. Then it speaks of this unique supernatural life, a Zoe life this God kind of life that Christ came to give us. And if we don't know that, we can kind of just go through our day like everyone else, living life, uh, this general kind of life that everyone else lives, or not everyone, but that people who don't know about this live, instead of living the God kind of life that He's provided for us. All right? So that's a lot of stuff, a lot of scriptures today. But hopefully you write those down, you take notes, and go home and look at these passages. This God's Word is health and life and strength to your body. It will strengthen not only your faith, it will affect your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It will affect your body. Hmm. Have you ever noticed, uh, I, I thought as we were reading Lunatic, and I, I think I was prompted to say something about it, um, years and years ago, um, Mental illness has had a history of, of relatively um, a, lot of, a lot of unknowns regarding mental illness. And I'm going back to, to Mark chapter 4, um, verse 24, where it says the lunatic were brought to Jesus. Those are people who had mental illness. And I'm bringing that up. I'm not sure exactly why, but maybe this will help someone. But there are a number of things I've seen over the years where man didn't really understand them. They still don't really understand the body. But diseases would pop up that man would, would not have any answer for. Uh, one is Alzheimer's. And I want to encourage you that that's just a disease like any other. Jesus has provided healing for Alzheimer's. That's not something you have to experience, regardless of what age you are. All right? So these little things that, that these... these uh, new diseases that pop up, or these things that seem to have no answer. They the answers in Jesus. God has health for your mind the rest of your days. A healthy mind, a healthy body. But you've got to believe that. 
And you've got to actively apply His Word to your life. Father, we thank You this morning for Your health in our bodies. Lord, we're not going to be ignorant and just float through life accepting what people accept. We recognize we're living in a battlefield. We're in hostile territory. We're facing enemy forces. And we're, not, we're, we're saying that not because we're afraid, but because we're shrewd as serpents. We're aware by your Holy Spirit of this planet we're living on and that the curse of sin is here, and we're aware that you've given us victory over it. That Jesus, your Son, took every sickness and every disease upon himself, and we refuse to allow them any access to our bodies. And Father, I pray during this time, this Sunday and the next three Sundays and during our get-togethers, Father, I ask you to quicken us to the reality of your healing provision for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm, I, I rejoice that this church will be a church of health, a church of healthy people, of people who know your healing power, of people who believe, of people who receive all that you are that this church will be a light in New England, that the sick will come, the, the blind will come, the deaf will come because they'll hear of the healing power of your son Jesus Christ in this place. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Friends, faith begins where the will of God is known. Jesus is the will of God. He clearly revealed that it's God's will for you to be well. Look to Jesus, review the scriptures in this message, let God's word strengthen you and receive the health that faith in him brings. In Jesus' name, amen.